Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Greetings, fellow Fordians, and welcome to another episode of Investigating the Impossible with Tobias and Emily. As always, I'm Emily. And I'm still Tobias. And with us, we have Ty Gowan of Haunt Me, an award-winning web series that takes place in Maine and beyond. So welcome to the show, Ty. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, we're so happy to, to finally be able to, to have you on here and get to talk to you. And for anybody out there listening, you know, if you haven't been watching Haunt Me, you're, you are missing out, you know, yeah. because uh, this is a show. I mean, it, it's a show that you can watch on YouTube, which is amazing enough. But then you look at the, the production value and the effort uh, and, and intelligence and research that goes into this, this uh, uh, paranormal uh, investigation uh, on on YouTube again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's it's spectacular, and, and you know I, I I highly recommend it. So why don't we get into um, I think where we usually like to start? Yeah, you can we, ask the question. Oh sure, I will every single time. I have this question, and I always ask it, and it is some uh, uh, variation of why weird stuff. You know, I, I feel like most of us could have done a lot of things with our lives, um, but we all inevitably chose sort of this strange path, and uh, there's usually a reason for it, uh, one one reason or another. Um, what about you, Ty? What uh, what what got you started on this uh, this road? Why weird stuff? That's a great question. Um, I would say for me, why weird stuff um, isn't probably the standard uh paranormal investigator answer that you probably get i think most people that you guys interview or paranormal investigators in general generally have a an origin story of one time when i was six years old my parents left me alone the house tried to eat me you know those types of moments (laughs) right that really spawned off someone trying to understand what was going on in their world mine was fairly different I, I mean i did have some paranormal experiences as a kid um that were cool um and in mysterious but nothing really that could change my mindset and like and launch me towards this path that i'm on um if anything they did the opposite um but ironically it was a uh, lonely high schooler in buffy the vampire slayer really set me on a path <laughs> to paranormal I loved I loved the Watcher Society and the library that they had access to. And if I'm com- going to be completely honest with you guys, it was knowing that there is weirdness out there in the world and there are libraries like that that I had not yet got my hands on that really set me down the path to then find those libraries. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, that is fair enough. Uh, you know, I, I don't really have any expectation when it comes to... Uh, to the impetus for anybody being in in this field, so it's perfectly fine to have that be, you know, a, a, a Joss Whedon television show. I mean, it's as good of a reason as any, frankly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, that's that's interesting. So would you say that your exposure to this to to this media, you know, relatively early in life, has um, you know colored your in in investigation in some way like is has it influenced how you approach these topics it actually has um for better and for worse you know Mm. where when you come from watching things uh on tv like you know buffy or or even for um the sake of the subject matter ghost hunters there's a, a, I feel like a degree of unlearning that you have to do if you want to take this field seriously. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of people that just want to go into the dark and get scared, and you know the, that's totally fine. Um, that's where I obviously started out too. Mm. But it's really taking on the mantle of um, not of realizing that you don't know anything um, actually, in that you have to start building your research from the ground up from a place of reality up um so you had the for me it was uh tossing aside some of my favorite watcher moments realizing that uh i'm probably never going to be willow rosenberg even if i try really really hard (laughs) um in in realizing that you know maybe as xander exploring the dark is is fine and that's a good foundation to start on yeah no and i that's 
Totally fair enough. And and I think that unlearning is probably the best word I have ever heard anyone use to describe the, the process of actually learning paranormal investigation. Because, oh, yeah. of course, none of it is uh, is anything like you see on, on most uh, television, certainly not uh, as it's portrayed in, in any fictional media. Um, although, you know, that, that, that does, I think, bring up uh, a good point, you know, when it comes to haunt me, and, and I think one of the things that people can get out of that show is uh, sort of, I I can't think of anything you need to unlearn from it. No. You know what I mean? Well, um, thank right. you for that. I appreciate it. Haunt, haunt Me's, I think, unique in a way of, it was Ashley Brooks who started it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we were freshly out of college with... Um, nothing else to do and no money to spend so there was a lot of time to just create ideas and and figure out what would be good for a pastime um we all had the similar i wouldn't say experience we had almost no experience at the time um but we had a similar passion that we wanted to explore um we just didn't have the resources and and that's kind of why if anyone who watches haunt me starts at the beginning I generally don't recommend that. I, I would start around season four and five, and if you like it, go back to the beginning for extra stuff. But what the beginning is is you know kids buying uh, night vision cameras from Toys R Us and then returning them the day after the episode uh, films because <laughs> we had that was the best that we could do, you know. And so like the production value isn't there yet, um, but the heart I I think it still is there because what Hami started out to be in really that kind of our cornerstone that we haven't really deviated far from is that it's one night that we spend in a haunted location. It's not about the ghosts, even though secondarily it is. It's mm. not even about completely about the history, even though, again, secondarily it is. It's about our experiences and what, what happens to us when we are injected into these uh, historically notable and um, sometimes paranormally active locations and how we adapt and try to learn the stories of the places that we're in and the spirits that inhabit them. Um, it, we've kind of had to look at it that way very early on because we, you learn quickly that if you are going out ghost hunting and your only goal is to find a ghost, you're going to burn out so fast when you don't find them. Mm-hmm. But if you are going out to look for a good story and try to hear the stories of the spirits that may or may not be there, you end up with such a wonderful adventure regardless because you learn the story of the place. You learn the story of the people who have to either work or live in that place that are connected to it, the living people. And then when you get really lucky, you get to learn the story of a spirit. Um, and, and that is the ace in the hole for when Hami really hits. I, I must say, I started with season one, and, you know, everybody, like everybody, you start somewhere, and I had seen clips from future series, and you notice a difference, but it, from the time you started, it was still pretty good. You could tell the potential was there, but just to add to your point of the buying the equipment at Toys R Us and returning it, I really liked that aspect, because I really remember there was, like, an episode where you guys are, you just got the spirit box, and you're learning it, and I think that honesty and growth is something that's really important to show so i I mean obviously if you want to you can recommend to start with season four but i was i was i was in by like season one because i appreciated that personally well thank you and that makes me feel really good you know because i always have that not good enough voice in your head you know oh imposter syndrome is real it's so real i think for paranormal people without a textbook without a guide you know leading us in and it's just a bunch of people with ideas bouncing off of other people who may or may not have better ideas this is the field to avoid if you have imposter syndrome but i dove in instead you know Mm -hmm. oh like it is it's rough because anyone can tell you what you're doing is not right and they are just as uh as uh allowed to have that opinion as you are to try to uh, reject it um, but yeah, it's, when you have the season one out there with the, uh, uh, I, I think the corded night vision camera that they strapped to my head in one of the earlier episodes was kind of the moment where it's just like, man, we need a budget. <laughs> you know, it, this, is, this is before the time that we could afford a GoPro. So let's give Ty, uh, 
you know, 75 feet of cord, and then he can travel anywhere in the house within that 75 feet, and we'll see what he's seeing. And that was, like, the whole theme for that that episode that we did that. And afterwards, our editor was like, you guys got to come up with better episodes. That was a terrible idea. It's <laughs> like, you was. You're right. That was terrible. I mean, I kind of love that. I know, me too. That's what I'm I, saying. <laughs> I get, okay, I get why you would be self-conscious about it, but... I don't know. I it's, like it's it. charming. I appreciate it's it. It's a hobby yeah. origin, though. You know, like it is what it is, and I'm I'm happy that it exists. But you know, it's it's so funny to for us to think that you know, like in that moment, this is a killer idea. You know, like this is the right. moment here. That's the this best. Is, this is what we were uh, what we were missing the whole time is that we didn't we weren't able to see what I was seeing. You know, so right. let's start, let's wrap a video camera around his head. You gotta do what you gotta do. That's that's guerrilla filmmaking right yep. there. Yep. Um, you know, and so honestly, I, I think that that really kind of emphasizes uh, in in earlier point that uh, that I, I didn't want to just gloss over, and that is the experiential nature of of these phenomena. And and I think too often, what happens is, uh, you know, in investigators or or television shows, they become obsessed with capturing what their idea of evidence is like they're gonna prove it to everybody uh, if they just film one more episode and then they get that next piece of like really fancy expensive equipment that's gonna be it that's that's what's gonna do it as though any of this stuff is even capable of being recorded or proven in a way that would change anybody's mind and so i i i really like that approach you know of of just uh, of, of showing up, doing you know, doing your your, your research, getting ready, doing uh, uh, all of that that due diligence stuff that that you have to do, but then um, really the, the the purpose is the experience. You know, it's 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 going in and and um, and and uh, making something out of out of that rather than you know trying to deliver you know some some pseudoscience or or, or, or something similar. And so um, I'm just curious. Now I promise this is this is leading into a question. I, I do this a lot. I have long <laughs> statements, and then eventually, you know, at some point, does culminate in in, in a question. So, um, how would you say that has influenced your choice of equipment that that you guys normally work with? Because I've I, you know I've I've seen you do some some pretty interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm just curious, sort of how that approach has, has shaped uh, you know the the equipment you use sort of the techniques uh, that that you uh, employ while you're you're doing in uh, investigation well absolutely and that's a great question too because when I started haunt me I was the tech guy that was my job it was to know it inside and out and, and with that it's really just uh, learning, um, adapting, and then um, improving upon what other people in the field are doing. Well, hopefully improving. That's the goal, right? Sure. Um, trying to put your own twist on it to try to make things a little bit better whenever you can see an opportunity for improvement. And, and that's something that I hope that, you know, like while it is an en- entertainment show um, and we're not trying to basically prove anything to people, we do hope people... Uh, garnered their own conclusions from our from our episodes and, and are learning, adapting, and improving on our techniques as well. Um, but with that, and to answer your question, I would say what Haunt Me has done for me as far as beyond tech, uh, technology but into techniques is um, something that I, I call, like just playfully, uh, paranormal alchemy, um, <laughs> where I kind of realized from watching the other members of the of my team um that just being the tech guy the whole time is really siloing the true potential of of the different stories out there that we might be able to collect and so over the past eight years or so i've really opened my heart to the uh i guess idea uh of magic and metaphysics um Mm -hmm. less so being a practitioner of it on my own but more so understanding the value that um, it can provide pretty good leads. And then especially when combined with a technological piece of equipment of some kind, 
Uh, either one, uh, tech and metaphysics, when you combine both of them, the sum of their parts are, are much greater than they could possibly be individually. Some of the best leads that we've ever gotten, you know, have come from a tarot card pull, and then you switch over to your K2 meter, and you realize that the spirit is emphatically excited that you uh, took a shortcut to what they were trying to tell you um, that would have taken an hour or two or more um, on answering yes or no questions on blinking lights. So I've seen it in action, um, and it has really uh, reshaped the way that I have taken on um, the paranormal field. Interesting. So, you know, as a, a tech guy, too, do you have any, you know, uh, uh, hypotheses, I suppose, um, about what the interaction between the paranormal and technology might be? Like, for instance, like something that I have struggled with for a long time is the uh, pr uh, proliferance of, like, talk about electromagnetism in in the paranormal now i mean electromagnetism it's a big deal you know it's uh it's it's it is uh, a, a universal force it is something that you find everywhere but you know people talk about it a lot in the the, the paranormal but i've never really been able to nail down you know why it would be important and if it is somehow important what that says about you know ghosts and and, and spirits or, or, or anything else so i'm always curious what uh, people's thoughts are about like that that particular uh, uh, in interaction or, or correlation um, and, uh, and and if it exists and if it exists in a, a causal way then you know what what does that mean I think that's really interesting um, to try to unpack what you said there and l let me try to do it without using up the rest of the time on the show to try <laughs> to explain what, what my thoughts are when it comes to, to that. But um, you really have to boil down to a very sad state of um, what are we at our essence, right? Mm. And so if, if you take the human body um, and, and you try to understand the mind, the soul, the spirit, and everything like that, it, uh, it's all energy-based, right? And everything in the paranormal we, we've come to uh, almost adopt is, is all energy-based, and, and including the synapses that fire off in your brain, um, it's an electromagnetic sing signal. Um, you know, like it, it's basically if you can understand or adopt the fact that as living creatures, we use electromagnetism um, in order to communicate and function, um, is it would then transfer over to the other side that the spirit that's left behind is nothing more than a, an embodiment of that electromagnetism, um, using it to interact with the physical world like we did in life. So that, I guess that would be like the 10,000 foot view there. And, mm -hmm. and it's worked enough that people have created or adapted, I should say, um, technology to, to read these electromagnetic signals on the basis of the fact that anything that we do as living humans, thus anything that we would do as a deceased human, um, interacting with the world would have to be done through this uh, electromagnetic wave or signal or, or burst that's going on. Hmm. So there's that, you know, like if you want to work with that, but also why the metaphysics come in um, handy is because they don't need to be based off that theory. They, they're based off their own theory. So you're not putting all your eggs in one basket um, based on the theory that if something wants to talk to you, it has to generate a signal. Um, whereas if you pulled out a, you know, a rune and did a rune reading for a spirit, no, no signal necessary, just cooperation at that point. Um, so each one, you know, using it without the other, it starts with a really good lead and then you can back up the, uh, the lead and try to turn it into quote unquote evidence um, if you're able to start moving further down that path and balancing your tactics between medical, metaphysical and, and uh, technological, I believe. Sure. No, I, I, I yeah, I, I could definitely see that. I mean, you know, not not to spend too much time on, on like EMF, but I, I could talk about it a lot too. Uh -huh. Well, okay, <laughs> like for instance, you know, you, you, you talk about, um, and, and I think this is the, the, the common wisdom sort of in, in paranormal circles, uh, that, you know, people do talk about, um, you know, the... Uh, the electromagnetic fields formed by like uh, uh, neurons, you know, uh, in, in, in your brain and 
And they do. Like, they do definitely form that. But here, here's where I get caught. Okay, so we're not sure what consciousness is, right? Like, you know, there are different uh, uh, theories. I don't know what the prevailing materialist theory is right now. Um, Absolutely. What's that? No, oh, no, I was, I was agreeing with you. Oh, sorry. Absolutely. No, <laughs> but, no one quite knows yet. Gotcha. But, uh, you know, but the, the, the thing about it is, you know, we don't know necessarily that... Um, you know the 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 uh, synapses firing in our brain sort of is necessarily the the root of, of human consciousness. Um, we certainly know that that is how our our, our brain works uh, for the most part, um, and certainly is useful for controlling all of our bodily functions and and, and and things like that. But those electromagnetic fields, like they are so difficult to detect. Um, like you couldn't ever uh, uh, detect one with any sort of hand hand uh, held scanner. You need like an EEG machine or something similar. And right. so what? And this again, this is where I, I, I get caught up. So once you have passed away, uh, you know your your brain isn't functioning, and I I don't know that I believe that your that that, that those EM fields necessarily comprise human consciousness. I don't think that's what makes us us necessarily. And so I don't know why that, you know, why we would uh, assume then that, you know, uh, paranormal entities, like in this case saying like a, a deceased person or something, would, would, would be made up of that, that energy necessarily. But the thing that I... I I do sort of like to speculate about is the using, um, you know, say I, just telekinesis or something to affect electrons or something. So I guess um, which 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 seems sort of like a, a I don't know maybe it's it's sort of a, a, a cop out because that's also stuff that I, I can't prove. But um, I'm just kind of curious if you think that it could be possible. Say, for instance, that uh, paranormal entities, be they, you know, just any sort of, of disincarnate consciousness or, or whatever, um, if they could be using, uh, say, uh, uh, these electronic devices to communicate, but aren't necessarily themselves like composed of the, the electromagnetism, you know, if, if any of that makes sense. <laughs> exactly what I'm, I was going for with that is I don't believe that consciousness is this electromagnetic blobby field that floats around the world you know like because otherwise you know we've had plenty of people pass away you know over the past billion years that we've been here it would just be a soup of uh, electromagnetic energy just whizzing around mm. what I'm saying is, is the spirit that for whatever reason and it you know it, it works out is i was trying to draw the connection between like when we interact with the world in a living body we have to throw out that electromagnetic synapse to make that that interaction happen mm. and i was trying to draw the parallels to the same point of with the spirit it, with interaction in the in the world we've noticed that those electromagnetic energies or bursts are still happening so it's it's not like the spirit is that but in order to I guess work up a big enough manifestation we rank um as paranormal investigators we rank the ability of a spirit or the strength of the spirit based on that amount of electromagnetic magnetic, ooh, electromagnetic discharge mm -hmm. and that's what we kind of qualify as haunting evidence it's just bursts of electromagnetic energy um making stuff happen to our, our equipment so that's what i kind of find interesting there sure um, but what I find truly interesting too is like when, and I, I got this from John Tenney. He like wrinkled my brain um, probably about a, almost a decade ago with this statement. But so that all is happening, and that that that's what we talk about when we're looking at our K two meters or EMF detectors. That's sure and fine, but that doesn't qualify for when you you know see a ghost walk down the street or you hear uh, a ghost whisper in your ear you know like those would if you see a ghost walk down the street or you hear something you know in your room that would be a wave 
Um, that would actually be something, you know, generating uh, a vibration uh, strong enough to actually be picked up by the human ear, um, or it would be uh, an, an energy burst large enough to refract light into your eyeball to pick it up. Um, that that's incredibly strong. You know, like you'd feel like our, our equipment would go off the charts if something was trying to manifest in such a, a deliberate and um, in, intense way. Mm-hmm. Um, John Tenney mentioned it. It's like, what if none of that is actually happening in the real world, though? Right. And instead, there's electromagnetic energy around us. Um, our brain is an uh, organ that works specifically off of interpreting electromagnetic energy. So the spirit has, instead of using a ton of energy to manifest physically in front of you and bounce that light, what if all that's happening to us as investigators is we're standing in a pool of this energy anyway, and instead of creating all that work for the spirit, they instead use just a little bit of that energy to tweak our brain's perception of what they need us to know with information visually or auditorially out in the field. And I've always kind of carried that with me of like, is the haunting actually happening in person? And sometimes the answer is yes, um, but is it more likely that sometimes it's, it's happening inside our brain? And that doesn't make it any less valid. It just makes it more interesting to me. Sure. Well, I, you know, honestly, that's that's something I've been thinking about for a, a, a very long time. And knowing that somebody like uh, like Tenny had been considering it too makes me feel a lot better about doing so now. Honestly, because that's yeah. sort of been the only way that hauntings really made sense to me. Because when you start talking, you know, like assuming that in apparition was somehow physically present, then you have to start thinking about what it's made of. And and what is it made of that's able of, of reflecting light that is then, you know, bounced into your eyeball like into your eyeballs and interpreted by the, the, the human brain. And boy, that doesn't make any sense to me. But you start thinking about things in, in terms of a direct interaction with human consciousness and and ghosts as a sort of uh, 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 induced hallucination, uh, which doesn't make them any less real in terms of, uh, uh, you know, being ghosts. But, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden, yeah, that makes way more sense. Way, Absolutely. way, way more. So, and, and yeah. To elevate it one more level, too, is, is like one of the things that I, I say on Haunt Me all the time, um, especially with this upcoming season, is when you see something a spirit or ghost you know some people want to drop the d word you know um when you see something horrific um or you see something very very scary you know my first thought is you know is that scary thing actually over in that corner um or or down the end of that hallway is probably a good idea for this this metaphor is that scary thing actually at the end of this hallway blocking me or is my brain doing its best to present information to me to make an informed decision of how I should react to the energy that is presenting itself at the end of that room? You know, like, is it a six foot tall demon with, you know, with wings and fangs and, you know, like 1800 eyes all over its body? No, but that's probably the scariest thing that I could think of right now. So there's probably some kind of threat down there that my, my body's instinctively is doing the best it can with limited information to project that signal of what is actually down there. Sure, well, and, and and that's so interesting too because you know you you look back at uh, at at investigators and writers, uh, you know, like uh, John Keel or or Brad Steiger, uh, you know, just just sort of people sort of in that that particular subgenre of uh, of of high strangeness in the the, the paranormal mm-hmm. culture. And, and you do hear a lot about the interpretation of paranormal events. And, and you know, I think that's so interesting because, I, you know, you'd think that the human mind might, you know, struggle a little bit at least. You know, like, like for instance, if, if you're trying to interpret something from one of these, you know, disincarnate intelligences, um, you know, what, what would they need to do to communicate with us. I mean, assuming um, that, uh, say, for instance, you're dealing with something that that isn't human, some other form of, of life, per se, like, like 
that uh, that that maybe we're we're not familiar with. Like, what might they use to actually communicate? You know, maybe they speak in symbols. Maybe the best they can do is projecting images into our our mind or trying to have conversations that way. So yeah, the the idea of uh, sort of the 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 brain as this. Uh, uh, machine just doing its best, you know, just doing its its yeah. absolute damn best to to figure this out and 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 deliver it in a way that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, no, I think I think that uh, that that makes a, a a heck of a lot of sense to me. Now, if I can ask you though, now I'm curious, what does this mean for uh, uh, certain types of of evidence that people love? to display. For instance, sort of under this model, it would be difficult, if not impossible, to physically photograph a, a, a ghost. I and knew I, the question. I knew that was coming. Right. Well, and I have my own opinions on this, but I don't want to say them <laughs> because it's not about me right now. I, I, I want to, I'm just curious what, uh, what, what you think about it, Ty. Yeah, I'm definitely curious too. So, First, I'd ask, uh, what medium are you capturing the image on? Is it film or is it digital? Because those would be different answers. Oh boy, uh, let's let's start with film because that's yeah. the earlier one, and and then maybe we can go into digital. Yeah, let's do that. So, absolutely. So, I love the film questions because in my mind, um, it take. I feel like less people have the uh, skill set. Uh, to digitally alter film as prominently as it, it, you can do with an app, you know, now uh, electronically. So I love old, old ghost images. The, the straight up, like, uh, like spiritualism errors type of stuff. I, you know, like I know how they've been able to fake the ectoplasm. I still find it incredibly neat um, to, to look at those old photos. Um, but the ones that haven't been debunked yet, I can't tell you what's going on there because like we live in such a digital age that that would mean that there is actually a visual anomaly happening um, to either change the chemical nature of the film or adjust the um, actual visual uh, light that's going through the aperture and being imprinted on that film. So you're even either having a uh, paranormal chemical reaction or a, an actual paranormal light reaction um, with the the actual film. I can't go into too much depth there, but again, with the current pictures that we have that are legit and not debunked, it again brings us straight back to that electromagnetic energy thing. The, the camera is picking up light, but it's based off of electromagnetic energy. Um, if the same thing that's happening in your brain uh, could possibly happen on that camera, but the camera isn't an adaptable organism that can do its best, you get a weird shadow, you know, like mm -hmm. where it, it needs to be imprinted. You get strange light play. Or my favorite is you have the strap in front of the lens, and that uh, is creates some of the best wispy ghosts I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, or somebody smoking a cigarette or something. and you're just, Breathing just... off frame and it's cold out. Oh, yeah. Oh, see, and that's again goes to back to what we were talking about at the beginning with the unlearning. I remember one of my first uh, ghost, I guess, ghost hunts that I'd ever been on um, was in high school. I went out with um, Ashley Brooks from from Haunt Me mm. to a graveyard on Halloween because that's when ghosts come out. Um, and that's where ghosts come out. And I, you know, like you can't tell me back then that that's not real. And that night, man, you wouldn't believe the spirits that we captured, um, because it was 28 degrees outside. And every time someone took a breath, um, it was a, just a wild entity rising up out of the graves, <laughs> you know, so it, it goes back to that. I'm learning to try to be like, cool. That was really neat that night. But here we are, you know, close to two decades later. And I really have to go back and tell that tie that uh, that version of me um, that you know no go throw it out um, and you're gonna have another like uh, 15 years of your life where people are gonna come to uh, you with pictures and you're going to also stomp on their dreams so get ready for it <laughs> right well we we certainly know how how that goes I mean the number of people who have sent us uh, IR videos of, of insects over the yeah. past, you know, several oh God, years. Yeah. It's, I think that uh, hasn't that increased with the ring, you know, like oh, yeah. any type of ring or nest or the yes. doorbell cams. I get all kinds of doorbell cams now from coworkers and stuff like that. 
and, and it's funny because it's like you really as an investigator you also have to be like a jack of all trades so it's like I, I know that's not a ghost because that's that would be a crazy happenstance that this person installed this and on the first night a ghost showed up at their door so now <laughs> I have to become like uh, get my degree in insect studies so I can figure out that oh that you guys actually have cockroaches um, so, you know it's, <laughs> which it's, is uh, worse than ghosts actually yeah I, I would prefer ghosts so much yeah absolutely no it's it's funny you mentioned that too if you don't mind me asking a question you guys must get that type of stuff all the time with your work with high strangeness and especially in the crypto field that i i I watch you guys doing stuff with the mothman and like how are you all able to debunk something i think way harder there's so much anti-evidence out there about ghost photography but Mm -hmm. how do you guys manage it when you're on a case or someone sends you something about a crypto or a legend or or something like that well it's just uh you know you 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 do what you would do if you were investigating anything like i don't i don't approach uh a cryptid investigation any differently than than when we investigate haunted sites or or ufos or anything else like i can give you an example uh, this would have been 2018, uh, in the spring of that year, we had a gentleman that I had spoken to in the Pilsen neighborhood of Chicago who said that he had been bicycling to work and uh, he noticed that these people were pointing at some weird thing in the sky and he looked up and it was what he uh, described to me as either a giant bat or a man in a wingsuit. Um, and I believe he was being completely uh, honest and, and authentically relating his experience when he told me that. And this guy, because he was bicycling to work, he had a GoPro camera attached to his helmet. And, you know, uh, uh, God's bless him, he, he followed this thing around and he decided he was going to get as much footage of it as he could before he had to go to work. And, um, and then he sent it to us. And uh, he was not, I mean, he was very forthright. Uh, he sent us the actual SD card that the uh, the footage was on so like he wasn't he wasn't messing around like this was like this was not a hoax and uh and i we took that and i i put it into photoshop and i went through because it's a gopro camera so it's not a great camera and it was hard to see the object so i literally had to go through photoshop and i went through it like frame by frame uh to identify uh particular frames that actually showed this object whatever he had seen and then I, I blew it up, and uh, and it was a bird. You know, it was absolutely a bird. There's no denying it. Just and, a giant bird. Yeah, it was probably like a, a great blue heron or something. And there are some scientific reasons for for more of those kinds of misidentifications going on, especially in that area, uh, dealing you know with climate change and the the destruction of the heron's natural habitat. So you see them oh. roosting in urban areas more now than ever. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this guy, he thought he had really seen something strange, but uh, but really he had just seen a bird and he wasn't really prepared for it. And it's a huge bird. They look like yeah. flying dinosaurs. Like they're a sight to, uh, to, to see, certainly. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we also get a lot of people sending us ghost photos of insects on, on IR cameras, like yeah. I said. Um, and that... Uh, I, th- I feel like people are fairly receptive when you explain it away. Some yeah. people don't want to hear it, but... Well, they're not familiar with looking through that kind of lens. And, I mean, right. IR looks very different from the naked eye, so I, you know... It... Well, because they think it's a ball of light, but they don't understand that this this, this camera is, is actually... Yeah. It, is, it is exuding light that is not visible to the human eye. Right. So they don't think of it because there's a little red light on it. They don't think of it mm-hmm. as shining a light on things, but it totally is. It's yep. just not a light we can see. So that light hits a bug or something that's flying around and it, you know, it lights up like like the sun, you know, this right. thing, it's bright as hell. And uh, and so they see on this this IR camera what looks like to them a little ball of light or something, but it's totally just a bug yep. reflecting light. Uh, that that's invisible to us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's interesting. I'll tell you though, and this is why actually I asked about uh, your opinion uh, when it comes to uh, capturing the, the the paranormal on on these mediums, you know, be it film or or, or digital. Um, and that's because a lot of the time, <clears throat> really most of the time. Um, the, uh, the the images that, uh, that that we receive are obviously you know very uh, uh, easily 
debunk. I guess not that easily all the time. Like that Pilsen video, that was a pain in the ass. But um, to, you know, to go through frame by frame. But it, anyway, that's beside the point. Um, and and the cases that that really seem to be paranormal, and you know, we're not. We, uh, we, we certainly believe in the, the, the paranormal, having experienced it for our, ourselves, um, but they don't seem to involve that kind of, of evidence as often. Or if they do, uh, and it seems weird, like for instance, and, uh, and I swear this is leading up to a, 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 another question. It's not, it's not just me you know, talking again for forever, like I like to do. No worries, but, I love this. <laughs> thanks, but... Uh, but yeah, if if they do, it, it will be something that a lot of people might dismiss as, uh, say, pareidolia, right? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that, and sort of in line with what we were talking about before. You know, say you have something that um, that that communicates sort of directly through the medium of consciousness, right? You know, and, and maybe it's very difficult or in some cases uh, next to impossible for this thing to show up on, on some device. You know, what are the kinds of things that he would have to do if it wanted there to be a visual representation of it? So if it's capable of, uh, of, of communicating with us or even manipulating uh, us directly through that, that medium of consciousness, I mean, wouldn't it be possible or, you know, just for it to... Uh, say, set you up to take a, a photograph of, of something uh, uh, like pareidolia, but on purpose that represents the image that it's trying to create. So I can give you an actual example of that. So there is a theater up in Menominee, uh, Wisconsin here. And um, we were there couple of years ago 2019 2019 yes uh the the before times for a, a paranormal conference and um before we actually had the the conference there we we went up to do a little feature on the actual theater itself because it's supposed to be haunted and uh and while we were there we we got a a, a tour from uh, allison who was the uh, what did she do like the uh, events or something she was like the event planner. Okay, yeah, absolute wonderful human being, and uh, shook us around. We're still Facebook friends, actually, and uh, she, nice. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, she, she took us around and uh, and gave us a tour, told us some of the stories, told told us some of her personal experiences, actually, which were quite compelling. And then she showed us this this photograph of uh, what was supposed to be a, a lady sitting on on the the stairs, you know. And so I was looking at it, and it was taken through this this door with you know panes of glass in it. And there's a window. If you're facing this door, there's a window behind you that casts light on the door. And I, you know, I, I, I sort of saw how the light reflecting on it might look like uh, in certain situations, like a, a a woman sitting on these stairs. But people claim to see her sitting on those stairs too. And so you know, I had to take my cell phone out and I, I took a quick picture of it and I could kind of get the light to look like a, a woman sitting on those stairs. But that doesn't explain all of the people who claim to see, you know, with their own eyes, not with a, a, a camera after the fact or anything, this this woman sitting on those stairs. And that's kind of what we, what, what got me started thinking about, well, you know, what if, uh, what if there is some disincarnate uh, intelligence there and she can't, show up on on film or 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 in a, a digital medium but what you can do is uh manipulate you somehow through directly through your consciousness into taking a a photograph of of what most people might you know interpret as pareidolia that is a pretty decent representation of her um, or maybe that's just something that that happens on accident. Maybe you're tapping into something. There's some some you know subconscious sense that you have that uh, that is picking up on this woman on the stairs or something. And so you know you're just sort of subconsciously uh, uh, creating that that image while taking the the photograph and lining everything up to to, to do so. But anyway, you know I was I'm curious to hear to hear your thoughts on that and. To see if you know maybe there have been some instances in your investigations where there have been things that people might 
explain away as pareidolia that were maybe more compelling? Yeah, definitely. I would personally lean towards the second example that you, you gave of the, the person's subconscious instinct wanting to take that picture at that moment, mm-hmm. but then also kind of throw a wrench into it too. Um, coming from more of a metaphysical side, have you, either of you guys ever heard of like the gatekeeper effect or the gatekeeper theory? Mm, I don't think so. Nope. So it, it, I mean, there's, it's not founded on anything that I could be like, Tobias, go read this. This is the text that'll illuminate you. <laughs> But um, when speaking with spirits, it's the theory that they are allowed to communicate with us to a point and that on the other side, there's a certain amount of rules or whatever that disallow them from providing any hardcore, meaningful, uh, I guess, information about what it's supposed to be like. And that's really convenient, right? You know, like that's a really convenient way to explain away why why we get garbled deep book answers and, and we can't collect these photographs and the the thought behind it though is interesting in the fact that there's a gatekeeper that prevents them from doing this uh, because we're not meant to have evidence of what happens next but it's okay for us to have experiences of what happens next to help fuel our faith let but not answer the question um, so I, I think of that a lot, especially when you were telling me that story about the photograph and how all the people in that room saw the woman on the stairs, but the photograph of the woman didn't come out quite the, as impactful as the way that people saw it. Um, so I, first of all, that I kind of think about that sometimes when we're getting answers and it's definitely we're talking to something intelligent, but when you ask it its name, it goes silent. Um, I, I think about that theory often, but... One of the things that I can present to you guys as an example of it not translating over is that in all of the years that I've been investigating, I I know I've seen two spirits with my own eyes. Um, I think there's a third out there that I'm forgetting right now, but we have an episode at it, it's the admiral perry's bed and breakfast it's in an inn of a uh, polar explorer that's here in maine um and we were lucky enough to be able to have the whole place to ourselves for the night and i deadpan saw a ghost at this place with my eyes sitting on the edge of the bed looking out of the window of one of these rooms um, my uh, co-investigators, uh, at least one of them saw it. One of them did not, which is also interesting in its own right. And as we were filming it with video cameras and taking pictures, it was just the, the knowledge in my gut that I was like, There's, nothing will come out. And as soon as I take my eyes off of this bed, it's going to go away. Um, it, you know, like it's one of those things where you kind of have to just go with your gut and assess the situation for the experience that, like you said, that girl saw the person sitting on the stairs, um, you have to ex- assess this situation as an experiential moment for her and not an evidential moment for yourself. That, sure. That's kind of my take. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think more or less. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree with the, uh, the uh, experiential uh, aspect. I, mm-hmm. I think that's really... The, the, the most important part of this, um, you know, I've never really been somebody who is honestly, even after photographic evidence, just because there is a part of me that doesn't really think that it's a thing that might even exist as far as this stuff is concerned, at least not in a, a, a super compelling way. But like, um, yeah, no, I, I, I think you're spot on when it comes to, to actually... Um, focusing on the the actual experience because I, I think that the most valuable tool that we have is uh, uh, ourselves, frankly. You know, because as far as far as we know, in 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 any kind of, of measurable way, we you know human beings, uh, our our minds, our consciousness is the only thing that has reliably recorded these phenomena you know and 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 as far as we know you know like the the only place that 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 they've they've been recorded and 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 exist you know as any kind of evidence is in our memory and so um yeah i think that is the most important thing 
You know, I, I, I think I think you're right on. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I am curious if, if you come on, you know, any any uh, uh, photographs of like, um, you know, supposed pareidolia or anything in active sighting areas that are very similar to what people have been reporting, then, you know, I, I would be interested to, to see that. But yeah, otherwise, no, of course, you're absolutely right. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, sorry, I veer a little bit from the question there. I remember it now. We have no, some stuff from earlier seasons. Uh, I, uh, I have to go rewatch as bad as that is to figure out where they are. But of course, we have, you know, the ladies in white and we have, you know, we, we're on the coast. So sailor stuff is really big here. Coastal uh, sailor myths are always some of the strongest ghost stories that you'll get because, you know, sea lore gets passed down and no matter how uh, the game of telephone works to create such a bigger, more vibrant uh, tale than originally uh, anticipated, if you have a sailor showing you a picture of, you know, a sea ghost standing on a, a an island, you know, looking out to them at sea, even if I, I knew that it was just Paradella, you know, I would know exactly that I have no chance explaining that to some some people. So, you know, it's it's interesting here that to, that you're asking that question because I'm going back through my mind to try to figure out where those pictures are and what episodes those are in. But a lot more of the earlier seasons would have have those on the show. Okay, um, less so nowadays, uh, just because they're so unreliable, but just as cool as as could be. Well, my 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 thing is too now. For anybody poo-pooing the idea that some pictures that uh, that are written off as pareidolia could have a paranormal explanation, to me, it makes at least as much sense as something like, say, synchronicity. You know, where where you're really relying on uh, personal interpretation of of seemingly random events. You know, to to, to yes. uh, you know discern some paranormal aspect. So, you know, I would I'd give it a maybe at, at least. But I um, think everything that we've talked about so far is a very strong maybe. Like, and that's the thing as far as we probably <laughs> ever to take it in the paranormal field. Oh, some crazy breakthrough before we die. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, certainly, I guess at afterwards we'll know right so i know exactly we are following uh the field of study that if you wait long enough we'll have the answer <laughs> absolutely so you know uh, for everybody out there listening we were lucky enough to uh to be able to watch the the first episode of of uh season eight wow right right that is <laughs> yeah yeah I, I was just you know like wow you know like you guys have been uh, doing this for quite some time at, 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 at this point and um, you know uh, obviously learning some along the way but you know been been really um, producing a very high quality product for years now but yeah anyway uh, yeah we were lucky enough to to see that that first episode and and uh, it's 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 a good one I think people are, are, are gonna like it I think they're gonna be uh, sort of uh, intrigued, I think, is probably the word with yes. with sort of how events are going to unfold, um, you know, after watching it. So I guess like how much of that, like I don't want to give all of it away or anything, but um, you know, how much of that is uh, is something that like you're comfortable talking about right now, or or and and how much of it would you prefer people just kind of see? After oh no! On, on your podcast, ask me any questions. I'll give you the best answer I can. Oh great! Yeah. So I mean, I you know I was interested. Uh, you know, obviously this is your well for everybody listening. Like they're 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 going back to Hinsdale, which is uh, uh, an investigation or an investigatory site that you first visited in 2017. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Nice pull. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. And um, and so you know you had some some pretty interesting experiences there. Uh, it seems like. Um, a place that uh, certainly has a threatening reputation, and um, and and you know you you've had some very unnerving experiences there. So, uh, were you were you nervous going back? And uh, and and what what did you do to kind of prepare yourself for that uh, uh, experience? Kind of knowing um, that uh, that that there might be. Uh, some uh, some things that you would want to protect yourself against. 
Two great questions. Um, so was I nervous going back? Yes, um, very much so. Um, I don't know if it's in the second or third episode, but I flat out say that I was the one, the member of the team that did not want to go back and I made my feelings very clear. Uh, um, but, you know, we had to go. Uh, we had the opportunity arise and we had leftover questions and that's what we're supposed to do. So, I, you know, I put my, my big boy pants on and uh, suited up and headed back to Hinsdale. Um, but the, the way I prepared this time is that I wanted to go in last time without any preconceived notions. So I went in pretty much blind and had my mind blown, um, for better or for worse, I should say. Um, but this time, what I wanted to do was go in with as much information as I could about other people's experiences. So I was fortunate enough uh, to have Carol recommended me um, the book by Clara Miller, um, who was known as Clara Dandy back in the 70s when she lived there with her family. Um, she wrote a book that is in basically a journalistic type of format um, that lists out a lot of the dates that she could remember of different occurrences happening at, there at the house. And so I tore through that book. Um, I found as many online uh, journals of other people's experiences there back in the 70s. That was really important to me, not not now. I didn't want people's experiences now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we were actually at Hinsdale, um, I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, go to the microfilm uh, section of the local newspaper and find the original article that uh, broke the case for of Hinsdale in 1974 and read the, I should say, unpolluted account of what was happening in Hinsdale from a third party's point of view. So unlike Claire Miller, who was living there day to day in in recording the hauntings emotionally, this reporter had no emotional involvement whatsoever. They were just writing a piece for the newspaper. Um, So you get this very dry recording of what uh, is supposedly happening in the house from the 1970s. Um, why that made me feel a lot more prepared than, uh, than I was beforehand is because not only did it give me new ideas of what to try at the house, um, mostly treating the house like a home instead of a sideshow attraction um, was one of our, our big motives of going back. But also what it was able, uh, what I was able to do f- with that is anchor some of the experiences that I had had during in the 2017 investigation of the Hinsdale house, mirroring that to what Clara had happened to her and her family 50 years beforehand, without that bias um, of having read the book in the first place and then experiencing it. It was almost chilling to be reading this book over the summer, knowing I was going back to Hinsdale and having this woman almost reach through time 50 years, explaining the things that I still couldn't explain about the first time and knowing that this wasn't a unique occurrence to me. It was just the Hinsdale house showing its true face. Wow. I mean, that's that's really, really interesting, honestly. And and you're, you're here speaking with us, so you, you you definitely made it out okay, which which obviously we're all very happy about. Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, I, I touch and go there for a couple moments, both on night one and night two, to oh, be honest. But uh, um, nothing that I don't think that we were unprepared for and or not asking for. That's the, the biggest thing. Hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. So, well, everybody definitely needs to check that out. Uh, when... Well, when is is season eight publicly available? When is that? When is that starting for people? So yeah, you guys get the screener um, ahead of time, but it's going to the final version of what you guys watched will mm-hmm. drop on August twelfth, um, which is a two, not August. Sorry, it's out there. Yeah, so this will be that's my uh, my my uh, uh, MacGuffin here. So sure, sure. Uh, the final or the. The final cut of the first episode, so season eight will be kicking off on October 12th, um, which is a Tuesday. Um, and unlike Haunt Me in the Past, which we dropped a new location every other week during our seasons, we're going to be staying entirely at the Hinsdale House. We um, wanted that to be the only focus of our season this year, um, to be our, our experience so we could do a deep dive at a place that really required it. So episodes will be dropping Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, throughout October and into the beginning of November um, until our story with Hinsdale is complete. Um, okay. I think the difference this year uh, compared to other episodes of Haunt Me, 
are I hope people enjoy it. The the editing is a lot different in the fact that it's very stripped down. Uh, we listened to our viewers that were saying that they wanted more uh, more I guess ghost hunting experience and less editing knowing that the fact that you know when we were making these episodes we were dropping evidence on the cutting room floor and releasing them as special features on our you know our coffee fundraising accounts for for our donors and so we're not doing that this year um what every episode is going to be instead of a a complete story arc is what this what you're going to get every episode is the beginning middle and end of a moment um, an important moment that happens to us at the Hinsdale house. Um, so adding all those moments together, you get the true story of Hommy's experience at the, the Hinsdale for the second time. Um, but each episode will just kind of be a piece of the puzzle that our viewers are going to have to put together on their own. Interesting. Well, I, yeah, I think people are really going to enjoy that, honestly. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it sounds like a, a, a little bit of a deeper dive. You've got uh, your entire season focused on this one very interesting house that I, I think anybody who isn't familiar with it is, is really going to enjoy learning more. So, yeah, I think uh, I think that's definitely worth checking out. Uh, obviously, the show comes highly recommended from Emily and myself. And uh, for all of our Patreon subscribers listening to this, you know, make sure that... that uh, that you check this out starting October 12th and uh, to the, the general public who are, who, you know, are going to be hearing this uh, in November of 2021, all the way in the future, um, you know, definitely make sure that you check it out too, because it's going to be available and, uh, and you do not want to miss out. So um, Ty, for people who are interested uh, in keeping up with you and, uh, and the rest of the, the Haunt Me team. Um, what's the best way to do that? Where can people find you? Yeah, so we're all across our social channels. So um, if you want to just keep up with the episodes, uh, if you want to join our fan club uh, and get the behind the scenes stuff um, and help keep the show going, uh, definitely visit www.haunt-me, that's M-E, uh, .com. Um, or you can find us at youtube.com slash hauntmeofficial. Um, we don't, again, it's a free show for everyone to watch. So if you're following us on YouTube, all we really ask is that you guys subscribe because um, that throws a lot of our way and we really appreciate it. Um, we're also um, at Haunt Me Official on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, those are both manned by uh, Anna Halloran. She's awesome at our socials there. Um, if you want to find me, I'm at unrefined underscore tie on the same social channels. Um, and I'd love to connect and hear your guys' thoughts on, on season eight. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I it mean, was this, is, this is a good conversation. So I, oh, mean, I got one more question for oh, you guys. Yeah, of course. Uh, Emily, what is the plant of the day? I want to hear what you've been up to, girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, everybody's kind of starting to go into winter mode, but uh, I've been trying to grow a philodendron gloriosum cutting that I bought from a weird app called Mercari, which is basically like Facebook Marketplace, so it's a little weird, but... But it's it's weird because it crawls along the surface of the dirt, and I think that's kind of cool. So I thought I'd try something a little different than a typical vining plant. So that's what I'm up that, to. <laughs> that's so fascinating. I love it. I follow your plant content religiously on Twitter, oh. by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Well, for anybody who isn't isn't aware, and I don't know how you could possibly be listening to this and not know it, Emily is she has a real green thumb. She is uh, she is a, a bona fide plant wizard. So yeah, if you're interested in that, make sure to I don't know Emily. You want to plug any plant stuff? As long as we're sure. About I mean, it. you can follow me at Weird Garden Nerd. So weird W E I R D Garden, and then because it's a nerd get it i see what you did there yeah Yeah, on uh twitter and instagram and that's where i post it along with my other too many hobbies so yeah it's freaking awesome honestly like, oh thank you, you I, I love plants too um but you find some incredibly unique species out there um that you're very honest with like like how to take care of them. Just like uh, I don't know what's happening here, and I'm gonna do my best. And I love 
of that <laughs> attitude instead of a lot of like you know plant TikTok where it's like this is exactly what you have to do and it will be amazing. It's like in anyone who's known a plant or like has owned a strange plant or trying to take care of them, it's not always amazing. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you're left with. Oh yeah, I've killed um, so many. <laughs> oh right, it, it just, like that's the honesty of it all, which is like these poor babies that they did their best. I've got this um, like a, a Home Depot clearance section orchid that I yes. bought back to life, like <laughs> ten years ago. It doesn't grow, Emily. It does nothing but just survive. And so I feel like I owe it to it to keep her going forever. <laughs> Literally not doing anything, but I love her. And everybody check out Haunt Me. If uh, if you're not, you are missing out and you don't want to do that. Yep. All right, Emily. You wanna... Thank you, guys. Well, you're listening to this. Follow uh, Emily's garden stuff and Tobias's rune knowledge. Like, honestly, my resource for using runes on Haunt Me um, have gone through uh, vetting by Tobias more than one time. So, oh, thank you. I didn't know that. I don't. That's not something that I share publicly a lot. Uh, most of my like spiritual or magical practices, you know, like I, mm. I don't know. I just I keep them to myself a lot of the time. But obviously, I'm always it's happy to, to help you or like advise you or do anything I can to to share that oh, with anybody else. You're, but, you're my go-to when I, I need that question to ask or, or need a second opinion. Um, not even joking, man. So I apologize if I just outed you on the no, podcast. No, I, it's, <laughs> it's not like, it's not a secret. It's just, I am, and nobody ever believes me when I say this, but I'm kind of shy about stuff. And so, uh, you know, because like I know how to act gregariously um, as is necessary professionally to, uh, uh, every once in a while um, but yeah no like I think that's great that really means a lot to me and uh, yeah I mean a lot of that stuff I don't put out there uh, maybe I should put it out there more I, I don't know but uh, yeah I'm it uh, it makes me really happy that I can I, I can provide that or, or, or help out with that so Oh, of course, man. I appreciate it, too. Thank you for you being there when I pop up randomly with uh, interpretation <laughs> questions. I, I really appreciate it. Awesome. Happy to do it. Well, thanks again for being on the podcast, Ty. We'll have to probably have you on again at oh, some point. Sure. I love that. Thank you guys for having me, too. This has been a great one. Really cerebral. I, I'm glad that you guys <laughs> Thanks. And to everybody else listening, stay weird. Yep. Keep it weird, everybody. We'd like to give a special shout out to Andrew Frisk for making these episodes possible. Thanks. We couldn't do it without you. And to our friends of the radio audience, we bid a pleasant good night.